Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Yes, it's terrific to be back with you for the Fox Rugby Podcast and even better after a Wallaby win over the All Blacks. Christy Doran, welcome to you. Sam Worthington, welcome to you. I'm not sure you would agree with that opening statement, being a, a Kiwi, but uh, it was good for the game and certainly good for the Bledisloe Cup that we head to Eden Park for a decider. Oh, 100%. It's just been great, um, you know, from a work perspective and just a fan perspective, all the all the fun and games that are now going on this week with the, the rivalry back. Uh, John Howard's back in his tracksuit marching so down good the streets. See, isn't it? Even if you're not a coalition there's, supporter. Uh, there's a lot of people dusting off Wallaby's paraphernalia even <laughs> even here in the office it's uh, it's pretty funny but no a, a great result and also pretty happy to have um, got my seat back from Andrew Swain who's um, been keeping it warm he, he's a hard man to wrestle it back off but I've, I've, I've done it for one week and at least very very popular amongst the Dol- listeners too dulcet tones yes I'm yeah. feeling feeling the heat a little bit here I feel a little bit <laughs> like uh, Steve Hansen actually really is he feeling the heat I think so oh, absolutely interesting okay yeah. Good observation. Christy, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm terrific, thanks. Good. Um, you would have enjoyed that. Oh, it's, Good chat. It, it's been hard not to have that smile get away and, and take it down. I was down in Melbourne just on Monday and, you know, the, you can sense that the Wallabies are actually um, – there's a, there's a bit more calm around there. There would have been a lot of anxiety leading up to that first test, but running into Michael Hooper and the, the team hotel and, and he just looked like a happy – Happy bloke and humble um, brag. Uh, yeah, humble brag for sure. Humble Kiwi, more likely. <laughs> but 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 the, the point being, and this was noted straight after full time. And yeah, sure they enjoyed it. Of course they did. But no one was getting carried away. The no. the message was there. We've earned we ourselves a ticket. Yeah, haven't yeah. done anything yet. Yeah. We're just going to Eden Park for for a crack at the bledders. Like that's that's all that's happened here. And that's why they've escaped to Melbourne to get out of the limelight. Yeah. Like there is no one down there. We had three. Sydney journos fly down to Melbourne for the day and there was only one other AOP journalist um, covering it. So to have one local-based person come to a, a Wallabies media op on the Monday after a Bledisloe test victory, the biggest record-breaking victory that Australian rugby's had over the All Blacks is quite extraordinary. Yeah, and you've written a story about it on, on the website as well. The, the Wallabies have tried all these different things to break this hoodoo, I think, because for years and years they stayed at the same hotel, went through the same process, flew over on whatever day it was, mm. and they, they got the same results. So I think uh, that, that's uh, they're aware of that. And last year they went to Waiheke Island. They had a bit of an island uh, retreat. Got um, bagged for that. Yeah, yeah. Spent some time, spent some time on the tropical uh, New Zealand island. Didn't didn't work. So yeah, this time they're they're going in late. A bit of a hit and run mission. And I think that is worth doing. Um, mixing up the approach. Of course, um, you know, it might not count for that much once they actually get on the on the park. But but mentally, it can you know do 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 well, things for teams. He, here's something. I was I was speaking to. I'm going to name drop Michael Hooper again. But I was speaking wow. to Hoops at the Waratahs. Oh, Hoops now. Yeah, right. speaking to him at the Waratahs Media Awards. Uh, um, oh, sorry, the, the Waratahs. Did you get an award? Awards? At the media no, no, no. There was definitely no award for me. But Hoops said that he found finds Auckland an intimidating place for him, his family. Um, like his family has been booed and kind of. Um, taken to task over there. It, it doesn't really like the place, so it, it doesn't. Um, it's well, no surprises that I can tell you. I can tell you some of our Fox Sports experts who've uh, got history against New Zealand. I won't name names, but I'd suggest that that it's not their favourite place on earth either. As a city, beautiful. Yeah. Food, wine, around Bledisloe time, but, but around Bledisloe time, just not Hostile. necessarily the best place to be. Yeah. Mm. You're not terribly welcome there sometimes. 
keep your guard up, Christy. It's a nasty, nasty bug. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's interesting hearing that perspective because yeah, you you don't you think of it as a you know a pretty chilled place, but um, yeah, New Zealanders do go a bit weird at times when it comes to rugby. It's pretty full on. There was a few. Um, drunken characters wearing all blacks jerseys in Perth that lost the plot a, a little bit um, and, and probably embarrassed themselves. So, yeah, look, um, it, the, the booing stuff, uh, I, I hate that, obviously. The, you know, plenty of cheering and and, uh, and and strong support of your team. But, if it, yeah, if it gets to booing, that's, uh, that's pretty ugly. What about uh, the impact on the game in this country that just that, that one – and it wasn't just a win. It was, you know, happy to say because it doesn't happen very often. It was a, it was a thrashing of the all blacks. Yeah. Albeit the red card, we have to put that into to context as well. But, you know, the most points ever scored against the All Blacks in, in Test Rugby. It was a decisive victory. And then all of a sudden there's this renewed hope and, and enthusiasm. We all turned our phones on after the, the post-match show. And it, was, it was beep, 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 you know, all, all these text messages coming through. Some of the guys, you know, getting text messages from people that hadn't heard, on, heard from for years, you know, it has reinvigorated the conversation about rugby and that's a special thing as well. Yeah, the intensity that the Wallabies played with, um, the forwards aimed up and you don't often say that the All Blacks forwards got outplayed but they completely did and, and that allowed Nick White to pop out from half-back but the Wallabies' skill level, you know, James O'Connor or Marika Corabidi, first of all, kicking and finding just, uh, you know, 20 metres out and then putting the, the tackle on, those little things, mm. just everything happened. The James O'Connor ball um, one handed left-handed into the, the bread basket of Reese Hodge who scores just a lot of things that worked all night which we haven't seen for for a number of years so here's the question does that all sort of you know just pale very quickly into history if they can't put two of those together yeah. does it almost become <clears throat> meaningless if they can't back it up with another performance of equal quality uh, somewhat. I mean, you, you can't. You, you have to appreciate the performance for what it was. But yeah, yeah, somewhat. I mean, we. It's not like the Wallabies haven't beaten the All Blacks in recent years. It, it has happened a few times. But there was there was a different feeling about this there one, was, wasn't there? That yep, there was. just extra jubilance in the manner of it, the way that they were bashing them and, and scoring those tries. But yeah, I guess the concern from a Wallabies perspective is everything came off for them. You know, you mentioned the kind of left hand pass. There was a Rory Arnold one that he bobbled and regathered and got away. Another day, maybe that. What the, pe- um, the penalty count? Eight to four penalty, and and uh, I think Anton Leonard Brown f- uh, in the lead up to Hodges' first try. You know, Leonard Brown almost catches that ball and runs away for an intercept himself. So all those little things did seem to go the the Wallabies' way and and the red card. So it's uh, the question is when they're under the pump. There will be obviously moments at Eden Park when they're they're behind their own posts. Um, the crowds hissing and, and booing. How they then respond to to those real tough moments is is, is going to reveal a lot. 1986, wasn't it? Uh, Andrew Slack, the, the captain, Alan Jones, the coach, and, and Slack, he says every year, can can they just please win at Eden Park because he's sick of television crews knocking on his door to, to chat with him. I'm going to give Slacky the week off this week and talk to Campo instead. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it'll probably the, be the one time they actually win and Slack wants to, to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, if, if they can do that, it's it's very special. It is an intimidating place. I mean, you know, we've been there and you walk in and, and there's, you know, a couple of spots of... Of gold in the stands, but it is it's it's black and and the the blackness of the stands matches the night sky and it's it's huge. The weather forecast is not great for Saturday. Weather forecast <laughs> not great. Um, yeah, you know, as a player, you can imagine that it does have an effect on you. And it's just the the media narrative, isn't it? They're going to get asked about it every time anyone's up sure. for, for interview, and that, all that stuff just is in your your head. Um, I, I think 
the reassuring or well, the good thing about the Wallabies this year and what, what seems to have changed is the some of those experienced heads that have had time away for the game had, had different challenges in their life. Christian Leliofano, Nick White, James O'Connor, they seem to have really lifted the, the group and added um, a bit of worldliness and, uh, and, and life experience. And, and the other aspect is the, the new selectors that have Change the, the look and feel of the team. I think the um, you know the All Blacks were probably caught on the hop with um, what Nick White was doing a different a different style in and in around the ruck, which they'll have to adjust to. So yeah, I think those are the two sort of major um, differences in this year's Wallabies. Just talking to a couple of the guys about James O'Connor. Um, you know when they want to go out and maybe have a quiet one or you know just have dinner. And he's like, no, I'm just going to hang back. I've got to do a stretch session or I want to do an extra sauna session. He's very much into his... Um, he's in La La Land. Well, he's in, <laughs> but, he, but he's, in, he's into this holistic health. Yeah. Um, very, what's it called? Save Your Save world. world. Save Your World. And, um, Viking cryotherapy treatments. Yeah, like... like but but it's not a flash in the pan. It clearly has had an impact on him. And I, and I know it's early days and... You know, you want to see this consistently, but um, you almost have to congratulate the guy for for coming back and even he's admitted, hasn't he, that he probably wasted five years of his career and looks to be determined right now to make up for lost time. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, he, he came out and did his sort of first, um, you know, broader general interview after the game, and uh, yeah, you had you had to really respect him, like he, you know, he does talk uh, a little bit left field and we you know we, we might not be used to that sort of talk but fair play to him like he's obviously been through been through the ringer with all the media and in, in his in his personal life but he's fronting it up to it all um and, and good on him I mean the reality is whatever whatever way you need to go about it to get your best, best football out there he's he's found that at the moment and everyone sort of rolled their eyes I think um, initially when he said he wanted to come back play for the Wallabies and he was um doing these sort of wacky treatments but uh he, he's Proving people wrong well and truly so good on them. Now, you guys earlier today, and we'll talk to Jeff Wilson a little bit later to get the New Zealand perspective, but uh, earlier today you had some time with uh, Australia's Director of Coaching, or Director of Rugby, Scott Johnson. Um, interested to hear what he said. What sort of things did you want to get out of the conversation? Yeah, well, um, having been around the Wallabies last week, it, it, it's interesting because Johnson had a reputation from his time in Scotland. He was, you know, dubbed the invisible man in some quarters that no one would ever see him. He'd be tucked away in an office somewhere. But but Johnson, he's turning up to every Wallabies training and, and Wallaroos training as well. He's he's very much uh, visible there. He's not coaching. He's not doing any instructions or anything. But he's, yeah, he, he's really getting trying to understand the the style of play that um, that Michael Checker and his coaching staff uh, want. So yeah, interested to get his thoughts on that. All right, well, let's have a listen. You are listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast with thanks to Land Rover, and here is Scott Johnson. You're listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Well, it's a very warm welcome to Australia, Rugby Australia Director of Rugby, Scott Johnson. Scott, thanks for coming on the pod. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, look, a successful start to your foray as, as Director of Rugby against the All Blacks anyway, one from one. Um, f- first off off the top, uh, what were your thoughts immediately after the game? Well, it's got little to do with me. That's the first thing. I didn't run out of the field. So that, let's just preface this uh, conversation by <laughs> stating that fact. Um, it was nice to get a win. I think we were desperate for a win against a pretty formidable opponent. I don't think we've had... You know, great results over the last uh, few years, so it was nice to get it, but more importantly, it was the way the boys played. I thought they played really good, and I think it was a great spectacle. So it's nice to put that uh, marker in the sand now. 
Yeah, Scott, it's a very different-looking Wallabies team than what we were seeing, you know, last year, towards the end of last year. Um, some some pretty brave decisions, um, in my opinion. Obviously, Tolu at hooker, the, the halves, new halves pairing, and James O'Connor at centre. Do, do you feel vindicated with that? And, and, and you know, what, what, how did you get to that point, I guess, with, with some, quite a few changes? Uh, firstly, let's, the brave only comes across because they appear to have worked. So that's where the bravery <laughs> comes back. Easily, it's clarified as something else. Look, I think it's been a, a pretty, um, uh, it's been a good process. We've we've got three people in the room now discussing, um, understanding what the coach is trying to achieve is important and is an important part of that. And it's also understanding different philosophies and what we're trying to achieve both for now and for the World Cup. And um, I think somewhere in the in, in the midst of it all, we're getting a, a, a pretty good working relationship. And I think um, the side's being picked um, with philosophy and form in mind. Uh, the, that, that's no, no doubt about that at all, Scott. But if you do look at it, though, there has been a, a massive seismic shift, I think, in terms of particularly... Um, Bernard Foley, who had been there for for a long, long time, uh, a new centre, I suppose, with Samu Karevi also at 12. So a different philosophy of how you're playing the game. Are you able to just expand upon how you actually came to to the understanding and and, and picking those players in those particular positions? Well, it's it's fair to say that Czechs um, and the coaching staff have also implemented a new style of which they wanted to play. Um, So this is the first year they've done that. So... Um, they've got a new uh, attack coach in Sean Byrne. He's had input into that. It's us as selectors understanding um, what they're trying to achieve. We're training, certainly I'm a training every day, and we have a look at what we're trying to do. And I think that when you look at the form of the Super Rugby, the, uh, the Super Rugby form, a lot of that has been rewarded because of good form. Um, but it also, you know, it's a, it's a suit that's sort of fitting the where the team wants to, uh, to, to, to head. And um, it doesn't exclude or preclude other people being selected. Um, you get the opportunity, it's up to you to perform. But, you know, we're, we've tried to balance, like, the needs of now for um, the needs of tomorrow in a World Cup. So, look, it's been a, it's been a good process. It's been uh, dynamic. And um, as I've said many times, um, we don't, we're not there all to agree. We've got a... Um, a genuine aim to get the best Wallaby team we can for that match. And I think um, it started it started reasonably well. Yeah, clearly you're not going to give away the, the team to us, um, but a massive opportunity to, to win back the Blitterslow in Auckland. And you touched upon it there, that there are um, another another pretty important trophy to come this year. So can, can you just ex- explain, oh, there's a lot of punters just saying, come on, let, let's pick the exact same team for this weekend. But uh, like, how do you balance that, that uh, priority list, Scott? Well, it's not easy, um, but, um, you know, like we've, we've looked at that. We've tried to reward performance as well. We've taken in consideration the last month where players are, both physically and mentally, because that's part of it. They've been, it's been a, even though it hasn't been a long campaign, you know, they've had to come off a big super rugby season. They've been together for probably five or six weeks now. We've had to consider all those things. But at the end of the day, we're going to New Zealand to um, genuinely compete for this trophy. That's what we're trying to do. So the side that we do select, we think is a side that's capable of doing that. Well, it would be you, you've got a dare to dream, don't you? <laughs> um, uh, David Pocock, he, his immediate future has got everyone on the edge of their seats. Um, wh- where do you see Pocock's involvement this weekend or against Samoa and clearly with the eye to the World Cup too? 
Well, I think, you know, we're, we're taking, I think the coaching team and the selectors are taking advice a lot on uh, the medical staff. So um, we're, we're taking that. He's, he's, he's trained uh, the last last week or so and has improving and doing more running. He's out in the paddock um, in the next hour or so. And after that, we as a selectors will meet and, and determine his fitness or his availability for this weekend. So he's integral to what we're trying to achieve and he's important to the, the, the makeup of the squad. At the same time, it's not worth the, the he will be picked when he, we think he's fit to play 80 minutes of rugby. Yeah, Scott, when you came on board and Michael O'Connor as well with the, the reworked selection panel, I guess there was a, a lot of sceptics that, that thought that Michael Checker would push back on that and, then, and it wasn't necessarily um, you know, going to be that, that welcoming to the, the extra bodies in the room. But, but Czech himself this year has described it as you know, quite refreshing and he's really enjoying being, being challenged. Are you able just to yeah, take us inside, inside the room there and, and, and um, about how the, the dy- dynamic works between you guys? Because you're obviously all very, very strong opinions. Oh, I think, look, you know, I've said this many a times, you know, I've got two people, three people that always agree, you've got one or two too many. That's, yeah. I've said that. Um, they're not five-minute fleeting conversations. That's what they're not. Um, we, we'd like to think that all, pe- all people in that room come well prepared and are prepared to have their arguments or points heard. At the end of the day, we all have, we all meet in the centre of what we consider is the best for the Wallabies. That's what we all meet and that's what we all gravitate toward. Um, so, you know, we have different philosophies and, and different um, views on certain aspects of the game of rugby, but um, it's been an enjoyable process because, you know, you're right, we've opinionated people and um, and so it's been a good process and um, we heard and we've heard everyone but uh, and we're trying to be very supportive of the coach and the coach's needs but uh, and encourage him to articulate and and um, and challenge what he believes he he would like. So it's good for all all because if um, if you haven't articulated well, you usually lose the argument. So um, and that includes me. So it's been a good process. And Michael's um, been very very open and empathetic, and uh, I think uh, that's been a good and it's been a good addition. Yeah. Just in the, the past 24 hours, England's already announced their World Cup squad. Um, clearly, the Wallabies aren't going to announce theirs for another 10, 12 days or so. But are you, are you happy with where the Wallabies are at building to, to the World Cup, the, the opener clearly on September 21 against Fiji? Well, I'm happy and not happy. I'm probably happy um, in the fact that we've got uh, more people to choose from than the 31. So that's <laughs> I'm happy with that. And I'm probably less happy in the fact that I've got a cull them, so some sort of really good players. So there's a positive and negative to that situation. We've got a good squad, we've got good balancing, and we've got good competitions for sport. And so um, hoping that that continues after the weekend's display, I think uh, a good performance will put pressure on us all, and that's what we want. We want to be able to say that these players have demanded to be picked and some really, really good good players have missed it. And if we can say that, we're in a good position going into that World Cup. Who plays good cop and who plays bad cop amongst the selection group <laughs> with those phone calls to players? <laughs> um, look, no, I think it's fair to say. No, they, they, I think Michael's the coach and we've always stated that fact that it's, you know, whilst everyone acknowledges there's a selection panel, it's um, 
it's important that the head coach um, talks to the players. I think that's important. If the player wants to talk outside that pool, he can he can meet with one of us, but we will make sure that we're all clear on what we're saying to that player. There is no escape routes here. We want to be honest and transparent. I think they demand that of us and they, they've earned that right. And I think that's only fair. So it's Michael that delivers the blow. Yep. Uh, looking uh, at, at, the, at the team at the moment, there, there's one probably the, the big selection that we don't quite know yet is, is David Pocock, Michael Hooper. Um, do you have a as the as the selection panel looked at whether or not it would be a, a Pooper combination in the in the back row or, or one rather than the other? Keep it clean, well, Christy. Have, Keep yeah, it clean. yeah, we, we haven't <laughs> we haven't had to get there yet. Um, we're looking at combinations in the back row. It's an integral part of the game. More lineouts these days, and it's important that we have a competitive lineout. That'll come up in future discussions, I'm sure. But I've I've said this numerous times. It's most of the time uh, players pick players, uh, not selectors, because if their form warrants it, they're usually in there. That's usually the general rule. So we at this stage we haven't had to go there. Uh, when the time comes, we like we'd like to think form determines it. And Scott, uh, just before we let you go, clearly um, discipline uh, is, a, is a hot topic um, in rugby at the moment. After Scott Barrett's red card, he's just got three weeks um, for that that hit on Michael Hooper. Um, we've seen the views have been all over the map. Um, Eddie Jones um, called it ridiculous, um, whereas Michael Checker actually he, he said it was disappointing as well. We've got all sorts of opinions. But do you do you have any concerns about a lack of consistency from referees and and also um, the, the the tribunals? Do you have any fears for you know what's going to happen at the World Cup and, and games potentially being determined by by these incidents? Well, look, there's general concerns because there's a major change. There was a seismic shift, really, in, um, in the, the game, the way the game's played, and certainly the height of which the game's expected to be played at. It's, it's, it is difficult for very big men to get that low. Um, but I understand the reasoning. It's about safety. Um, I have a personal view of it. I think they probably moved a bit, a little quick for the, um, for the tournament. I've watched the under-20s this year and I think the implications of a red card is quite dramatic in a game. Mm. However, we we understand the rules of which we're playing with it. We have to we, we can only determine our own fate and we've got to make sure that we play within those laws. Um, it's us as administrators to argue appropriately in different forums what we think is the best interest of the game um, moving forward because at the end of the day, we are a... Um, uh, we are in show business and we want to make sure that uh, what we put out on show is a product worth watching. That's what's important to us. Well, speaking of show business, there wouldn't be any better result in Australian rugby than a, a victory this weekend at, at Eden Park. Uh, Scott, thanks very much for joining us. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Good on you. Thanks, guys. Good to catch up with Scott Johnson and uh, and always refreshingly open and, and honest and uh, it looks like, it's pretty clear that they want to win the Bledisloe Cup. Oh, and don't they what? Like, the reality is it's been 17 years, and the question I have is four years ago, clearly Michael Checker made the decision that we're going to prioritise the World Cup. There were huge changes. Quade Cooper coming in at 10 was the big one. Nick White starting. Matt Giddo as the cover for halfback at nine off the bench. Will they do the same? And I don't think they should. I think that they need to continue the winning run, the momentum wouldn't be changing the 15 at all. Uh, and maybe, if you can, squeeze David Pocock in off the bench in front of Luke Jones. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I don't see why they, you know, why they need to be separated. Like, the, the biggest thing Australia 
needs at the moment is confidence. Um, that, that's the biggest one. They already know, when they, they now know, um, you know, close to their best team, I think. So, yeah, the biggest thing they can they can go for is confidence and, you know, what better way than the Bledisloe. So, yeah, that, that's what they should prioritise for sure. Is that is it your mum calling? So uh, Rod Kafer actually he's up he's upsetted um, a few people in New Zealand I think. Oh really? Yes he has. He's got under a few people's skin, hasn't he? Well, it'd be interesting to get Jeff Wilson's take on that. Oh, what a lovely segue, Christy. <laughs> the uh, don't put Nick out of a the job. The All Black great <laughs> and uh, and a thoroughly nice human being. Uh, Jeff Wilson joining us on the Fox Rugby podcast. You're listening to the Fox Rugby podcast. Jeff Wilson, welcome to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Yeah, it's great to be with you. Surprised you hadn't rung me when we've won, though. <laughs> now, listen, can you can you can you do me a favour? Can you do me a favour? Just wander over to your nearest window and just look out. I just want to make sure the sky hasn't really caved in over there. Hey, I live in Auckland, so guess what? It's a good chance it's going to rain in half an hour, and that's going to bugger you in a few days. Don't worry about that. Hey, hey, Jeff, seriously, from this side of the ditch, it just looks like, um, particularly reading the the uh, response in the press over there, the initial response. It might have calmed down a bit over the last couple of days, but gee, there was uh, there was a few people turning on the All Blacks, saying, "Oh yeah, saw this coming. They're they're old. You know, they're too slow." They got stuck into them. Yeah, they did. And look, I think it's it's almost been a bit of a culmination of the fact we haven't, we sort of haven't been taking a step forward like we would like over here. I think that's the impression we're getting right now is that it's not like we're tracking in the right direction. We don't know what it is exactly that the coaches are looking for. I know for a fact though it wasn't on the weekend. They certainly weren't looking for that performance. And they've been pretty blunt, to be honest. Not only have the, uh, have the press got on, but they've got on themselves as well. The players, the coaches, they've all come out and been pretty um, honest and uh, they've been very critical of their own performance. So it's not like they've said to the public, don't worry. They've said to the public, yeah, that wasn't good enough. And I'll be interested to see how they respond. It'll settle down during the week, but don't get me wrong, in, come next Monday, if they haven't turned it around or we haven't seen a vastly improved performance, look, I'd imagine there'll be some pretty big questions being asked. Question for you here now, Jeff, is uh, you've just mentioned that they haven't taken a step forward. For how long haven't they been taking these steps forwards? Is it just this past couple of weeks or has it been a longer period of time? No, look, I mean, I think if you look over the last 18 months, there's no doubt teams have found a way to really challenge us and put us under pressure. We've responded on a number of occasions when, well, look, we we probably maybe haven't been the best team on the park, but like a good all-black side, a very good all-black side, the number one team in the world, We've found ways to get across the line, and 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 that that's a strength of this team. And so there's no no way that anyone's pushing the panic button. Look, traditionally in a World Cup year, we've been known to struggle. Um, but if you look at it, probably from last year, from the from the moment we we secured the Bledisloe, South Africa really put us under pressure. England and Ireland, Ireland did a number on us. We just haven't really been on top of our game. And look, you know, it's really one of those situations where now you've got to have a lot of faith in your players and your coaches staff to really not well turn things around because we're looking for a for a, a more consistent performance. Jeff Dane Coles came out and, and was very honest and said that the All Blacks were basically guilty of taking the Wallabies a bit for granted, um, given their Blitters Low Cup success. Is that is that taking a bit away from the, the Wallabies though and how well they played? How how did you see it? 
Hey, look, there's, there's there's two stories sort of in that. I think the first one we have to do, and I think the players and and, and uh, the coaching staff and uh, maybe the New Zealand public as well are all aware that that was a, and, and should be made aware of the fact that was an outstanding performance. It really was from the Wallabies. They came in well prepared. It was well planned and well thought out, and then executed beautifully. Now, for the All Blacks, uh, Dane Coles has come out and been very very critical in terms of their um, uh, preparation and the fact that. You know, he said they underestimated the uh, Wallabies. Now, I'm not sure if, entirely if that is what he meant. Um, you know, I, I, you know, maybe I, I take it on the fact that I think maybe he's talking about the fact that they were so focused on what they were trying to achieve um, that maybe I think they lost sight. And this is just me talking. They lost sight of the threat that the Wallabies could pose if they played to a level they were capable of. And we hadn't seen that already this year. So there's no doubt they got caught by surprise about how well the Wallabies played on the weekend, they won't make that mistake again because now they've seen what they're capable of. But, you know, I think the effort was there, maybe just uh, in the terms of um, the preparation and preparing specifically for Australia wasn't quite on point. They can probably be forgiven for uh, being a little bit ambushed because, you know, did anybody really see... Uh, after the performance in South Africa from the Wallabies and then really just getting over the line against Argentina in Brisbane, did anybody see, did you see that performance from the Wallabies coming? No, they, 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 the All Blacks and the Wallabies both made um, uh, a liar out of me because going into the Test match, I, you know, I was pretty confident that I thought that the All Blacks were picking their best available selection um, on form and on what the talent levels they had. They were putting those guys together for the very first time and I thought they would take a step forward. The Wallabies had been a little bit lacklustre. You know, they just hadn't quite themselves, you know, um, uh, played to their potential. But it just shows, obviously, how the coaching staff were able to look at the two test matches they've played, given them the, the right game plan, given them the right selection of the team for a start and given them the belief to go out there and, you know what, take the All Blacks on play your own game, put them under pressure and see what happens. That's an attitude that a number of teams have taken against the All Blacks in the last 18 months and it's reaped some reward. So, you know, I sort of look at it and go, yeah, it, it, I didn't think that dominant a performance, you know, to score that many points against the All Blacks, you know, was, um, you know, was was in the future, in the middle of last week. Uh, but we've got a temper that as fact as well, though. It was a major factor, the red card in the game. Mm. We can't sort of ignore that, can we? I mean, if we ignore that, then I think we're ignoring the point where it would most likely have only been 20, uh, 16, 12, which it was at half time. The second half could have been significantly different, 15 on 15. But it wasn't. And in the end, they deserved their win. You're not wrong about that. Um, it would have been a completely different second half. Um, Rod Kafer has since come out and, and told Fox Sports that. Um, he believes that New Zealand would have targeted Michael Hooper, um, being the captain, tried to ruffle his feathers a fair bit, um, and it was a planned tactic. Do you see it as a similar thing as New Zealand wanting to target the captain? Are you telling me you never target Richard McCaw? Or, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I mean, uh, no one goes out specifically to hurt players. It is not in the mantra of the All Blacks and never has been. There was a, uh, an error by Scott Barrett in terms of his tackle technique and the impact. And look, by the laws, um, it, it, they were well and, and truly entitled to, to give him a red card. I don't think believe it was myself a red card, but a red cardable offence. But in the end, that was a, within Jerome Garcia's rights to do so. Look, every seven that plays the game has got a target on their back because they're the biggest menaces out there, right? 
and they're the biggest cheats that ever played the game. <laughs> you know? But they have to push the boundaries, and Michael Hooper, and we talked about it in the build-up of the game, we know how significant he is to this Wallaby team, and we know how significant David Pocock is as well. So you, you're looking at that position, and, and, and look, in the end, you can probably go across this test match and find a dozen similar-type contacts, just not involving out in the open, involving the ball and a player. I mean, there are those types of uh, collisions that happen in the game. You know, that is the nature of our sport. And, you know, for Scott Barrett, he got it wrong. He was punished, and, and the All Blacks um, suffered because of it. Hey, Jeff, how much pressure um, with, with with that uh, in light and, and the fact that Jaco Piper is in charge this weekend, but he'll be forcing himself to, to look at what goes on around the breakdown. Uh, so there's that high contact, but there's also the, the neck rolls with the New, which the New Zealand Herald has uh, has pinpointed. Dug now, up. D- well, dug up. I'm, I'm sure they might <laughs> have been... It took me a long time to find them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it took me a long, long time to get them out. And Look, I, I get what you're saying. Um, How much pressure know, is Yarko under, though? Well, I mean, I think <laughs> it's never it's never an easier situation when you're a referee at the, the highest level. You know, so him and his assistant referees in the TMO... You know, all of a sudden there's been a spotlight put on, on an aspect of the game. Um, look, once again, do I honestly believe that it was a targeting uh, proposition? It was effective from the Wallabies in terms of their clean-out. I think whether or not it's legal or not, you'd have to say it's it, it's on the edge. It, it's definitely something that's not um, allowed in the game. So all of a sudden, Yako Piper is the one that has to identify it and deal with it. So, you know, I think from, from my perspective, you know... I, it's a, it's a challenging situation because of what's happened uh, last weekend. Um, but I don't know if he'll go in specifically. If you go start looking, if you go start looking for things, you start missing other things. Mm. That's the that's the danger for any referee. If you start specifically going and then all of a sudden things become marginal, you still want them to referee on their instincts and going, you know what, I've got to play what I see, a ref, uh, do a normal job or process I have in refereeing. And the, if they are blatant and obvious... <laughs> you know, then in the end they'll have to be dealt with. It's great to see the Blitters like a rivalry back uh, first and foremost, isn't it, to actually have some, oh. some spice in the encounter. But just interested to get your thoughts, Jeff, on the, the new look Wallabies back line because the All Blacks are trying some things, but the Wallabies certainly are as well and it was wildly successful in, in Perth with O'Connor at 13, the new halves pairing, and also with, with Bell at fullback. Does, does that make them just a, a, a lot harder team to defend? Yeah, look, what what I would say is all of those guys, I think, were 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 great on the back of what was probably the most impressive forward performance I have seen from a Wallaby team in a long, long time. Really consistent at set piece time, great at the clean out and around the breakdown, allowed them to get some lightning quick ball to work off, and then all of a sudden, Nick White's option taking, he was just. Uh, Man, he was a menace. Every time he had the ball in his hands, he mm. put us under pressure. His option taking was very, very good, and then it gave time and space to world class players. And that's the difference. If you if you do that, and it'd be no different, um, you know, for the All Blacks, you give guys a little bit of time and space. They're able to do what they're really good at, and you're going to see the best of Samu Karevi. You're going to see Karabiti um, uh, get his, his way into the game, get over the advantage line, get one on one opportunities. And then, look, Kirtley's Beal's skill set, for me at fullback, is ideal. Mm. Um, the fact that he's got an instinct for when it's time to go, he's prepared to go, and we saw that deep in his own half. He can kick defensively. He's certainly uh, courageous enough. Maybe not as strong as player in, in the world in the air, but to me, you know, I think they've managed to, look, uh, um, the Israel Falau saga is a big saga to put behind them, 
maybe they've done that now and they've found their players that they think can combine and be the threats they need to be. Jeff, the, the question on Australians' lips are whether or not Michael Checker and the selectors are going to keep the same 15, more or less the same 23, which is what they didn't do four years ago uh, leading into the World Cup. Would you be surprised if the Wallabies tinkered with their with their side? Uh, I'd be surprised, um, but I, would, I wouldn't put it past them. You know, different story. I'm not the one that has to select their team. I don't know what their plan is going forward. I don't know how... They woke up on Sunday morning after that result and who was a bit beaten up, who was banged up, and how close the other guys are in their own eyes to the players who actually started. You know, if they're saying there's not much between players, then okay, um, you know, you might rotate some guys out. But then there'll be other players, I think, for the likes of Nick White, you're going, well, he had such a big impact on the game, mm. you would have to start him. Um, they talked about there's not much between him and Will Guinea. Well, reality is that they've just had one guy there that's tore, tore us apart you'd think you'd roll him back out and say play again. Um, I, I think for, for their sake, I mean, if you're thinking about trying to take another step forward, why wouldn't you? Um, you know, I, I still think they've got nothing to lose. I think that's the mindset they have to come back into uh, in, in Auckland, is the fact that, you know, they haven't won anything yet. They were that good, and it seemed as though they were fearless in Perth. You've got to come out with that group of players again and do it all again, and... and uh, if you've got that, it's pretty fresh in your mind when you've done it just seven days ago. And what about for the All Blacks? There'll be some forced changes. Obviously, good here with that high hamstring injury, uh, Barrett being suspended. Um, uh, apart from, well, give us an idea of who comes in there. But uh, then, will there be some other changes? Will there be some? Will there be some tinkering? Oh, look, I, you know, that's the that is the million dollar question because you know we've got. Uh, like you say, number of players now who are unavailable uh, due to injury, where you expect to come back into the squad um, pre-World Cup. Uh, Patrick Tupelota would probably be the obvious um, man to come in and, and lock us alongside Sam White. Like, she did some really good things um, off the bench, carried really strongly in, in, uh, in that second half. Um, so I would imagine that change would be made. Look, um, Sonny Bill Williams has got through some time in a couple of games, but I don't see him um, coming into the starting lineup at this stage. Uh, I think Nani Lomapian and look, Anton Leonard Brown was just, yep. I mean, his, his work was outstanding. You know, for the amount of um, time and pressure he was under, he got through a mountain of work. So I think that'll be the combination in the midfield. The interesting one is obviously that the two major talking points going in for us was the, the Barrett and Mawanga op, um, combination. I, I believe they'll stick with that. I think they've decided that is what they believe is going to be the best going forward. And then the loose forward trio, um, whether or not they're looking for a little bit more um, uh, of a, a bigger ball-carrying option. But in the end, it was a really hard game to get a gauge on because once we were down to that 14 men, you really weren't going to see a lot of Artie Savia. You didn't see a lot of us, uh, the All Blacks, playing in the first half. They had no possession, so it was a different story. We didn't see Savia getting his opportunities to carry. So I don't know. The, the other big talking point that's happening over here is the, um, uh, the two props. Um, Joe Moody and, and uh, Owen Franks have been short on game time. They didn't have a, a much impact on the game. It's whether or not uh, you know they are um, uh, maybe are looked at and a change being made there. Um, I'll be surprised. You know, normally though, this is where I say the Ford Pack for the Wallabies. Their Ford Pack stood up in every phase of the game. Normally, we're able to put some sort of pressure on them at set piece time. That usually comes through our tight five. We didn't really see any of that in the weekend. And Jeff, just before we let you go, like we, we let off with uh, all the um, all the doom and gloom stuff in New Zealand, but it, it's been a remarkable ten year run, hasn't it? At, at the very top, um, with Steve Henson 
heavily involved in that. Do, I mean, do they? We, we saw concerns four years ago when they when they lost a couple of games as well in, in World Cup year, as you referred to. That can oft, often happen. Are you, are you confident then, by the sounds of it, that they they can dig into the well and um, and, and take a third successive World Cup if we look forward? Absolutely, and, and I think that you know people's probably people are talking about the fact we may not have the benefit of time. But if you sort of look at it and you look and on a long view on this on this campaign. Traditionally, the last few years, they have been slow to start. In a World Cup year, they haven't been on top of their game. Um, timing is everything in a Rugby World Cup. Absolutely. We play South Africa in the first round. I think sometimes it's hard to look past that. If you look past that, reality is, from here, they've got two, three. I think they've got six more test matches before they go to a quarterfinal. And you would expect them to get to that mark, right? You're not going to have any concerns about them getting there. So when you think of it from that point of view, I believe you have to have faith in the fact that I don't doubt we've got the talent, we've got the players. We just need to to, to to head in the upward trend from here and it starts this weekend. I'd like to see it start this weekend. I, I like so, your optimism, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> this is reassuring I, stuff, Jeff. I've had a hard well, hard couple of days over here. It's been very look, unusual. We, hold on, we, were, we weren't the number one team in the world for about 12 hours. So, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, it just shows you. And look. Wales choked, didn't they? Jeez, they choked. Well, they just threw it. Look, I tell you what, I fear for them though. Um, losing Gareth Anscombe, yep, yep. you know, um, significant. No, um, Felatel as well. I think so. You know, all of a sudden, it just shows you injuries could play a part as well. Um, I tell you who at the moment is on top of the game, and that's South Africa. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think you can put anything past them. They are the team for me. If you look across at the moment, who are who are ahead of the the curve in terms of preparing for rugby World Cup. Jeffrey, thank you very much. Uh, good to, to chat. And I know all of New Zealand, just like uh, all of the rugby public here in Australia, can't wait for this game on, on Saturday night. It's going to be something special. So we'll see you on Saturday? We will indeed. So now are you prepared to... T- I don't know if you're prepared to take a wager on last weekend's game. Are you prepared to take one on this weekend's oh, no. game? No, I'll take one on last week's game. That's fine. Oh, no, no problems okay, at all. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure we can sort something out, Jeffrey. Thank you. I'll see you in Auckland. See you, mate. <laughs> see you. Yeah, Jeff Wilson joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. It's interesting, the conversation around uh, the All Blacks after that loss and, and whether they're stumbling and bumbling and not in good form heading into the World Cup. Similar conversation was happening in 2015. Even after the first couple of pool rounds at the World Cup, the critics were still saying, oh, they're not quite firing on all cylinders. And, and they just built into that World Cup and, you know, ultimately we know what happened. So... You know, if you're an All Black supporter, would you be too worried, Sammy? Question to you. Oh, look, if I if I put my supporters hat on, um, yeah, I am, am definitely oh, yeah. worried. Yeah, uh, you, I think you have to be. They what, have, you become you not, become not, an ordinary team overnight, <coughs> do you? Not just from what happened in Perth, though, because right. they well, we just heard it. Eighteen months that the they uh, they haven't played particularly well for a very long time. Yeah, exactly. And the yeah. line the Lions rattled them with their line speed. They haven't really found a solution for that. Um, they've got some key injuries with Retallick and stuff. So, look, when when I say worried, I mean they're still going to be right there. And when the whips are cracking, and one of the well. Still probably the favourite, but there's um, yeah a, a bunch of teams headed by probably South Africa at the moment, as Jeff mentioned, that are that are right there. So it's a it's a great thing for the state of the global game, I think. Yeah, well, we saw England play over the weekend, and they their second strength side beat Wales. Like, let's be honest, it was and they, like that side that they rolled out was still pretty good with George Ford at ten and mm. and and look thirty three nineteen winners there. So England, I think, are going to be brilliant. Um, and obviously Ireland's going to be pretty competitive and likely South Africa, New Zealand, one of those two will play Ireland. And as we all know, the Irish are pretty good. So 
A lot of lot of formidable opponents. A couple of big names missing from that England squad too, named overnight, wasn't there? So um, Brad Shields didn't make it. Ben Teo didn't make it. And two guys that, that really uh, Eddie Jones had lured into uh, England rugby to, to try and make a difference. It's an uh, well, interesting na- selection. He's named the squad very early. So mm. the, the other Six Nation teams really aren't going to announce theirs until early September. So we could very much see there's a couple of more trial games going or trial tests. Yeah. Uh, there's likely to be one or two injuries come from that. So you, you kind of got to think that is Manu Tonalangi going to actually get through uh, the next month, the next two months. I and think the question was asked too of, of the players, and and they said, it's it's different being in a camp that yeah. you know you're in the squad rather than so you, you're training as a team rather than a team of individuals trying to make it into the squad. That changes the whole tone of of that training regime. Here's a question for you. So the Wallabies going to announce theirs Friday week mm-hmm. um, at the Qantas Airport, I think it is. So, you know, th- this weekend, how much bearing could it have? Could you see players come in or out? Or do we think all 23 that will be named will be in that World Cup squad? Because that certainly wasn't the case last time with Nick White. I uh, being dropped from it, and yeah, I think I think that twenty three uh, you can pencil in for sure. It's yeah, guys, given it's, given what happened in Perth in particular, I think that it's uh, uh, yeah, but it's it's guys on the fringes probably like they're going to be weighing up an Adam Ashley Cooper versus a Jordan Patea, and they're going to have to be doing that largely at, at training at the moment. So um, yeah, I think I think the bulk of the squad's clearly in there. It's going to be mainly injury injuries. The only thing that could could change the the core of the squad now. The other interesting aspect from England squad was only two halfbacks with George Ford playing as the third mm. cover at, at this stage. So perhaps given Nick White's um, brilliant return to Australian rugby, maybe now at the moment Australia has that um, ability to just go to two halfbacks, which is, a, which is a big thing when you can only pick 31. Mm, indeed. No, that will be fascinating. Uh, I mean, as much as I'm looking forward to that announcement, I'm just looking forward to the, the announcement of the two teams and what New Zealand does in particular this week ahead of this test match and, and whether they stick as... Jeff said to that philosophy with the, with the um, two playmakers with Moanga at 10 and, and Barrett at 15, what they do with the back row, were they happy with that balance? They probably suffered a little bit in the line-out with that, with that mm. back row. So, you know, do they stick with, uh, with what they deem to be the philosophy or do they go, okay, sorry, whoops, made a wrong step there, we're going to go back a bit? Yeah, right, rightly or wrongly, I think they will be stubborn now that it would... It would Show, show a sign of panic if they suddenly went away mm. from the Barrett Moanga thing. So whether that's actually the right call, I'm not too sure. But I think they've now that they've um, gone down that path, they'll stick with it. The another big ones, the the props are coming under huge heat uh, in New Zealand for for their lack of form. Joe Moody and Owen Franks, the the wily old veterans, they got a bit uh, you know shown up by by the more I guess exuberant uh, Australian forwards that were that were just absolutely shredded them in run metres. So they're getting a lot of heat from the likes of uh, John Hart, the former All Blacks coach. So, yeah, it's going to be um, it's going to be all on at Eden Park. And, uh, Christy, you'll, you'll be there um, trying to wrestle the cup back for Australia. Oh, can't wait to wrestle it back. I don't know <laughs> if I'll be able to lift it, particularly if there's that many beers in the uh, in the cup at the end. We can Take only, a look at yourself. We you can only dream. You couldn't lift it, seriously. <laughs> Mate, the main concern is just getting through customs yet again. It's been told on the told on the podcast before, but uh, Christy's a uh, renowned apple smuggler and the authorities will, is that def- right? will definitely um, be, be wary of him crossing the ditch. Yeah. Is that an apple smuggler? Oh, uh, it wasn't great. <laughs> $400 later or so. Did you? You got fined for yeah. smuggling apples. Yeah. Jeff Wilson, I have to bail you out of the the, uh, the jail cells, I think. One can only hope. Wow. <laughs> All right. Yeah. 
be on watch if you work in customs. Uh, Chrissy Doran is the name you're looking for, the passport. And just before we go, a shout-out to, uh, to Mick Munro, goes by the name of Monkey, uh, playing his Ooh. 600th game. 600? For the, yeah, for the Mossman Rugby Club. So that's uh, Subbies Division 1, 69 years old, and, uh, yeah, running out for the 600th time. That is absolutely awesome. My, Not bad, uh, is it? That's just down the road from me, so I might have to go and uh, watch Monkey run around. Are you guys up for that? I'll be in Auckland, mate. Sorry. Yeah, but sorry. Good oh, luck. Oh, good luck, Monkey. Another humble brag. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be, I'll be in Mossman, home of Australian rugby, so stuff. stuff it is. That's the great rugby nation of Mossman. Uh, so, yeah, well done and, uh, and good luck to Mick in his 600th game of rugby. That is outstanding. Gents, thanks very much for your company today and thanks also to Scott Johnson and Jeff Wilson. It is uh, something to savour this weekend, only the, the fifth time in 16 years that we head to Eden Park for a decider. So uh, very, very special Bring test it. match. You'll see it all on Fox Sports.